You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. If you uh, have a Bible or other um, electronic apparatus and want to turn to Luke chapter 19, we'll be uh, uh, visiting that section of, uh, a section of Scripture in that chapter here in just a second. Um, there was uh, a number of years ago, actually a long time ago, uh, one summer we took our family camping. Uh, in fact, I think our kids were about 10, 7, and 5, you know, so they're, this was a while ago. And um, um, we didn't go tent camping. In fact, I think we went twice. It, it just it, it didn't really work for us. One of them was because this one weekend that we did go, <clears throat> it rained most of the weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but it wasn't so much rain that you said, let's just pack it up and go home. It wasn't one of those type of things where it just washed everything out. It was just, just one of those icky weekends where it rained for a while and it stopped. And just, it was just, but you really couldn't do anything. Uh, it was just bad. So to me, there was really nothing special at all about that weekend. You know, it, just, it just wasn't. What's interesting, though, about 15 years later, so this was, um, you know, again, the kids were all probably in their mid-early 20s at this point in time. Um, it must have been around the holidays because all three of them were home. And uh, so at that age, that would be the only time we all had all three of them at the same time. Now, I'm not sure how we got on the topic, but we had, we're on this conversation where we're recounting favorite family memories, Favorite experiences, you know, things that we remember that happened that we really enjoyed. Samuel, our oldest, <clears throat> he said, I remember him saying this, he said this is one of his all-time favorite family memories, was that weekend camping in the rain. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, you, really? <laughs> that just doesn't make sense at all. Um, but what was interesting is he's kind of talk about it, the thing that he remembered the most was he and I trying to start a fire in the rain. <clears throat> um, you know, and now both uh, my boys, you know, there were Boy Scouts. You know, Samuel would have probably just started Boy Scouts. That probably would have been his first year. Um, but one of the first things they teach is how to build campfires. You know, first thing to do is so we knew to look for birch bark. You know why? It ignites even when it's wet. Some of you who know that already. So we're gathering up. We had birch trees around us. We got some birch bark, and we're, we're doing this. We're trying to build a fire and all the different things he's doing. And I'm holding an umbrella over him, trying to keep him and every, the matches, everything dry while we're trying to get this started. And, as you know, there's, just, there's more smoke than fire at that stuff when wood's wet. And for Samuel, that was one of his favorite memories growing up. He looks back and that was, just, that was one of those moments, one of those days. For me, it was just kind of a wet, miserable weekend. <laughs> now, 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 don't get me wrong. We have a lot of, lot of great memories you know, of, of with our kids and things we shared. and It's just that that weekend wasn't one of them for me. For Sam, it was one of his favorites. <clears throat> have you ever had a day like that? One where... Um, you know, or everything's ordinary, you know, just kind of going through the motions. There's nothing really special. But for someone else, same experience, but for them it's like, wow, that was amazing. That was like the best day ever. Or, or maybe you were on the other end of that. Maybe everyone else is like, eh, you know, it's okay. But you're like, you got to be kidding. This changes everything. You know, you're just kind of in the moment and everything is just changing. And well, that's kind of that, that, that the way we kind of look at the same experience from two different, um, we experience the same event from two different um, perspectives there, is kind of what's happening in the passage we're looking at today. 
Um, today we actually begin a new five-week series. Uh, we've, encount- we've titled it Encountered by Jesus. Uh, for the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at five different individuals and their encounter, or their meeting, their engagement with Jesus. Uh, and today we're going to start us off with looking at the person of Zacchaeus. Uh, some people pronounce it Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Now, what's interesting, we tell us in Luke chapter 18, so just before we get to this encounter, Luke tells us that Jesus is actually on his way up to Jerusalem. In fact, we know that in about 10 days from this point in time, this story, Jesus will have been crucified. So this is a very tail end. He's going to Jerusalem for the very last time. Um, and so this is what's happening. Now, the way this story is told by Luke, this is just another day in the life of Jesus. He's just traveling through. In fact, literally just says, or you'll see this in a second, Jesus was just walking through Jericho. Um, and so there was nothing really special about that for him. What's really interesting as well is that Luke is the only gospel writer that actually tells this story. So even for the other gospel writers, it was really a non-event. It really wasn't that big a deal to them. They didn't include it in their um, uh, gospel accounts. And yet, even so, for one man in particular, for Zacchaeus, this day, this one encounter with Jesus changed his life forever. So again, if you have your Bible um, or have a, a device you want to follow along, or actually can be here on the screen, be reading from Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 1. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must go to your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, Two has as the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. And the opportunity we've had to again, just gather with friends and just gather with others who share a love for you. And Lord, as we've had a chance to uh, lift our voices in song and to sense the presence of your spirit and to just be in your, in your presence. Uh, Father, we, we, we now take a few moments to dig a little deeper into your word. And so, Father, I pray that you would guide my words. And, Father, the things I would share that and people would hear what they need to hear this day. Uh, so, Lord, uh, again, we just commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, again, from Luke 18, we know that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, and it's, it's the very end of his ministry. Um, the idea that he's passing through Jericho makes a lot of sense. Um, when we actually understand just kind of the topography of the, the area, as well as just the time. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Jericho is supposedly um, the oldest inhabited city in the world. There's somebody been living in the city of Jericho longer than any other city in the entire world. I don't know how they under- track that, but uh, that's the reputation it has. 
it was a major thoroughfare for caravans, uh, for military groups, military personnel, and pilgrims. Anybody wanting to go to Jerusalem or that part of the region, Jericho, because of the mountains that were shaping that region, Jericho was right there. It was a crossroads, um, and it was significant. Jericho was also the last stop um, before someone began the 18-mile hike up the road to Jerusalem. Um, you, I don't know if I, I think I may have shared this in the past, but if, if you weren't aware of this, if we're if we were going, if, let's just say you were going to go down to you actually just did it. If you're going to go to Atlanta, you say I'm going down to Atlanta, or I'm going down to Florida, or I'm going up to New York. We use that up and down in a sense of geography or direction, north, south, east, and west. In the New Testament, anytime there's a reference to Jerusalem, they always have are going up or down. You're going up to or down from. It's an elevation thing. Um, Jerusalem at this point from Jericho was a half mile up, 18 miles, pretty much a continual um, upgrade desert. It was a miserable trip. In fact, we also, the other time we hear about Jericho and the road to and from Jericho and Jerusalem, Jesus telling the parable of the good Samaritan, except there, the guy was on the road from Jerusalem down to Jericho when he was um, attacked by um, bandits. That was that, and that's the road. That's the road Jesus is going up, or will be going up once he leaves um, Jerusalem, or once he leaves Jericho. <clears throat> now, here's the thing that we know absolutely nothing about Zacchaeus except for what's in this passage. He's never been mentioned before. He's never mentioned again. This verse is all we know about him. So, from these verses, we know we've learned a couple things. One, he lives in Jericho. Uh, that's pretty obvious. We also know that he's a chief tax collector. Now, I don't, I mean, we don't know what tax collectors are. I'm not sure what a chief tax collector, I don't know if that means he managed a group of tax collectors or if he was, you know, the head one for that area. But he, I mean, he was a tax collector. And tax collectors, if you recall, they were despised as traitors within the Israeli um, um, population because they worked for Rome. They collected taxes not for Israel, they collected taxes for Rome. And so they were seen as traitors. It would, be, it would be as if today, if Donald Trump went to work for Planned Parenthood. Okay? Or if you're on the other side of the political fence, if you're a progressive and began to work for the Donald Trump 2024 campaign. Okay? So pick whatever one you want to be on. That's the, the, the animosity that they felt was really stark. It was very strong. They didn't like that at all. Now, and the reason why, besides being traitors and working for Rome, one of the things that they weren't liked is because they, they had a reputation for being um, corrupt. Um, they would skim money off the top. So if the tax was $50, they'd charge it 60 and they'd keep the 10 um, And so that was their reputation. Um, and since Jericho, was, again, was a major trade center, there was a lot of opportunity for commerce and business, which meant there was a lot of taxes. Uh, lot of opportunity for taxes. So the Bible, the passage tells us that Zacchaeus was wealthy. He was a wealthy man. And um, even Jesus talked about tax collectors in a derogatory manner. Back early on in his ministry, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about loving your enemies. And he says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? Yes, yeah, so again, they weren't held in high regard by anybody. We also know that Zacchaeus was short. He wasn't very tall. So I imagine Zacchaeus was sitting in his tax booth. And again, I, I'm not really sure what they looked like. Um, I'm sure he's sitting there and probably outside the door he hears commotion. There's people starting to walk by or run by. There's noise. And so being a curious man, he gets up and 
You know, goes, what's going on? What's the disturbance? And, you know, somebody, you know, he asks somebody, gets their attention. He says, oh, it's Jesus. Jesus is in town. He's over on Main Street. Um, and so, you know, by then, Jesus' reputation is very well established. I mean, everyone knew about Jesus. And odds are pretty good that Zacchaeus would know about Jesus as well. So like everyone else, he heads over to Main Street too. He wants to see Jesus. <clears throat> but as the story points out, Zacchaeus is too short. He can't see the crowd. Um, and so he gets out ahead of the crowd a block or so um, and climbs what the Bible refers to as a sycamore fig tree. Um, we actually have a picture of one of these here. So this is what a sycamore fig tree looks like. This is an actual tree in Jericho. In fact, they actually call this tree the Zacchaeus tree. Supposedly, it's 2,000 years old. I don't know how you know that without cutting it, but... Anyways, that's, that's the reputation. You know, so it must be true. It's on the Internet. Um, so, but that's, that's what the kind of tree he's climbing there. So now, as these things go, fortunately, actually, someone back in the time had their cell phone, and they actually took a picture of this situation that day. So here we go. Um, there's Jesus. And I don't know if you can see Zacchaeus is up there in the tree. Um, so some of you are looking at me like, I don't think so. Um, again, it's on the internet, so it has to be true. <laughs> so we know they have that encounter. Um, and so Zacchaeus goes, climbs to the tree, and Jesus comes by, and he invites himself over for lunch. You know, he, he literally says, hey, Zacchaeus, I need to go to your house today. Let's go. I'm going to have your lunch. Come on down. Um, and so, that, so they go, and then the people begin to complain, don't they? which I thought was fascinating, you know, and I don't know if, were they jealous because they didn't get invited, they couldn't get in, but, but um, you know, they couldn't comprehend that Jesus would eat with such a person. The fact that he would just engage him at all was just beyond their comprehension. Um, and Zacchaeus, again, hearing this, and because of this encounter with Jesus, we don't hear any more about the conversation between he and Jesus. We don't know what was going on, we don't know what transpired, but something happened because Zacchaeus, he you know, essentially stood up, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said, look, it, I'm not going to be that guy anymore. I'm not going to take people's money. I'm gonna, and, I, and, I, and, and besides that, I'm going to make things right. And Jesus said, because of Zacchaeus' response and reaction, he says, today, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. Clearly, Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus that day that it changed his life forever. I wish we knew more. I wish there was more about the conversation that went on. But something happened, something transpired when, G- when Zacchaeus had that encounter with Jesus. <clears throat> and while each of us is different, and God responds to each one of us differently, even so, there are some things that we can observe in Zacchaeus that I think might also help us have an encounter with Jesus in our own life. So there's a couple of things that we can point to. One is that Zacchaeus was passionate in his pursuit of Jesus. <clears throat> the crowd was large. The human barrier between him and Jesus was too much to get through. He couldn't, he couldn't force his way through. It just wasn't uh, something he could overcome. Those circumstances could have called Zac- caused Zacchaeus to actually give up and go home. He could have just said, oh, oh well. Hope somebody tells me about it later and just kind of went home in defeat. But he didn't do that, did he? He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. And he didn't give up until a solution emerged. So here's the thing. If you want an encounter with Jesus, you can't let circumstances get in your way. 
There's too many of them, and they come up too often. You've got to make that a priority in your life. When we come to divine encounters, as we set our hearts and lives to passionately pursue Jesus, there's a decision that has to be made on our part that this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to behave, and this is something I'm going to do. So Zacchaeus was passionate in his pursuit of Jesus. Zacchaeus also practiced hospitality. Now, none of us would have expected Zacchaeus to say, in response to Jesus, say, no, you're not coming today. I mean, I mean, that just, I mean, that just doesn't happen. Um, at least not directly. Not to say, no, that's not going to happen. There may be, if he's like some of us, though, there may be more kind of like this other way of approaching it and to say, like, you know, you know, Jesus, I'd love for that to happen, but today's really not a good day. You know, I just don't have much time. I've got a lot of errands to run this afternoon. Um, or on the top of everything else, my house isn't clean. You know, and so we, we have these different excuses and we come up with things that it's just not really convenient. But can you imagine Zacchaeus saying those words to Jesus? I mean, no, I mean, I, I can't. Can you imagine anyone saying those words to Jesus? It'd be really hard-pressed, maybe a Pharisee or two, but it'd be hard-pressed to do that. And yet, how often do we say those very words indirectly to Jesus? In other words, we don't give time to engage Jesus through his word, through prayer, through just wanting to spend time with him. There's no verbal exchange between us, but the outcome is the same. We're not spending time with Jesus. Our actions are saying loud and clear, Jesus, I don't have time for you today. See, here's the thing. Zacchaeus opened the way for a divine encounter because he was willing to open his life and open his home. And if you want an encounter with Jesus, you can't let excuses keep you from Jesus. So Zacchaeus was passionate in his pursuit of Jesus. He practice hospitality, Zacchaeus chose to do what was right. Now, there's a whole lot we could talk about when it comes to repentance, forgiveness, restitution, but we'll have to save that for another day. That's a whole other another conversation. But the encounter with Jesus had a huge, huge impact on Zacchaeus. Again, it's kind of like Samuel camping. I don't know what it was, but something about that, that day or that, that moment was, was just had shaped his thinking in a very significant way. Now, if you recall, for the last few weeks, um, we had a, actually a, we went through a 10-week series on the book of James. And if you remember, one of, the, one of the main points within the entire book of James is that your behavior should reflect the grace of God within you. We're not saved by doing good things. But if Jesus is in you, if you're a Christ follower, good things should be coming out of your life. Likewise here, the same thing we can see this with Zacchaeus. If you want an encounter with Jesus, your behavior must reflect Jesus. Lastly, Zacchaeus went above and beyond what was expected. Now, Zacchaeus could have said, he said, you know what, you're right. You know, I've, what I've done is wrong. I've benefited at the expense of others. That's not right. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. Period. Move on. And, and, and been sincere and actually done that. He could have actually stopped doing that and, and things would have been different. 
But he doesn't just stop there. He actually took things a step further. See, when Zacchaeus repented, it brought healing to his soul. When he paid back extra, he brought healing to those he hurt. So there's things that we can look at in this situation that we can observe his behaviors and things that Zacchaeus did. So for me, as I was thinking about this passage, what what are some of the takeaways? What are some of the things for me that I sorry, this is what applies to me moving forward? Um, and these are there, so there's three things I came up with. They're not in your worship guide, um, but but um, for me, one of the things is that the, one of the takeaways from this is that just like Zacchaeus, each one of us has the capacity to be sinful and greedy. We do. I mean, that's nothing earth-shattering, I'm telling you. It's nothing any of you didn't already know about yourself. We all know. We look in the mirror. We know what we're capable of doing. Um, We know what this is. I will say this. People who are unwilling to change do not have transformational encounters with Jesus. You have to be willing to give up those things that you hold that have nothing to do with Christ and he might ask you to say, you need to give those up to follow me. Jesus, the second takeaway for me here in this passage is that Jesus knows we are sinful, but wants to come to our house anyway. Notice he didn't tell Zacchaeus, hey, you need to go fix this up, and then I'm coming to your house. He didn't say that, did he? He said, he knew Zacchaeus. I mean, he knew who he was. He knew his state. And he says, I want to come hang out with you anyway. I think that's really significant. Jesus didn't come through town and he didn't sit down to eat lunch with the local rabbi, you know, the town mayor, or somebody who was popular or important, or, or, or even anybody who was respectable. And he chose someone who no one else would have picked. He knew about him, he knew who he was, and yet he planned to stay and have lunch with him. In fact, uh, his words, exact words were, I must stay with you this afternoon. I must stay with you to, at your house today. <clears throat> so there's something interesting in this passage. Um, in verse 2, it, it's, Luke tells us, as he's writing, says that he tells us in his writing, verse 2, there's a man named Zacchaeus. So we know his name. We know the, his name, Zacchaeus. Then in verse 5, he just says, And he, Jesus, looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. How did Jesus know his name? It doesn't indicate this such. There's no introduction. You know, there's no indication that they knew each other before. Like, hey, Zacchaeus, good to see you again. You know, there's none of that. Um, we get the sense, again, the way the story's written, this is the first time they've ever encountered one another. So how did he know his name? Now, my, one of our first thoughts maybe was just divine knowledge. I mean, we certainly can see that happening. He, Jesus was the Son of God overall. Uh, and then perhaps that is the right thing. It was that Jesus knew about the woman at the well. When he was there at the, at the well with the woman, he you know, said, you know, let me, you know, you know so the, he knew her history. He knew that she'd had five husbands, and so we know all about that. We also see the account of Jesus when he first called Nathaniel, one of his apostles. And he says to Nathaniel, says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. So there's this, there's this divine knowledge that could have been going on here. But here's the thing, in both of those instances, and those are the only instances where I can see that happening to that degree, in neither instance does he call them by name. 
He understands their story, but he doesn't call them by name. So I have a, I have a theory. <clears throat> and um, my theory is this. I can't recall another instance in Scripture where Jesus meets a person for the first time and tells them their name. I can, however, recall another time when Jesus meets someone and changes their name. In John 1, Jesus meets Peter for the very first time. Jesus looked at him. So, so um, Peter first just comes and first meets him, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, <clears throat> which when translated is Peter. So the first time they meet, he calls him Peter, not Cephas, as, or not Simon, as he was actually known. So Jesus changed the name to Peter because he saw Simon not for who he was, but for who he would be. So here's the thing, here's the circling back now to Zacchaeus. You know what Zacchaeus means? Innocent or pure. So if you read most of your commentaries out there about this, most commentaries speak to the irony of someone who is, whose name means innocent or pure, but who lived a life that was anything but. And they look at that as just more ironic. <clears throat> I wonder if Jesus looked in the tree and saw not a greedy, evil person, but a person who would become pure and innocent in his dealings with others. And he calls him Zacchaeus. Now, I have no idea if that's true. It may not be true. I do think the idea is true. I think Jesus sees all of us, all of us, not for who we are, but for who we could be. Jesus sees who we can become, not just how he sees us today. My last takeaway from this story, this passage, is that we don't have to climb a tree to see Jesus, but we do have to be intentional. You don't have to climb a tree, but you do have to be intentional. Just like Zacchaeus, Jesus must visit our house today. He has no requirements before he comes to visit. and We don't have to make all things right before letting him in. He already knows who we are and what shape our house is in. And he wants to be there anyway. Now his presence alone... And his love for us will lead us to do things we never thought we could do. Now we can easily assume that Zacchaeus lived a different, fuller life after this encounter with Jesus. That would be a reasonable expectation. But we can also have that same experience in our own life today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as... um, We've uh, peeled back the lid a little bit here on Zacchaeus and uh, tried to understand more about the situation. Really, there's a lot we don't know. There's things that we, we just don't know about him, but we do know that his life was transformed by this visit. And Lord, we see this time and again when people encounter Jesus, their life changed forever. Lord, some of us that have had that counter in our life in the past, and our life has been changed and continues to be changed this day. Some of us have had our lives changed in the past, but we need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we forget about that, and we've, we've neglected that relationship. And sometimes, uh, Father, we're, um, we just become really absorbed in our own life. And we need to recommit ourselves to that relationship. 
And Father, there may be some here today that have yet to have that encounter with Jesus, that personal encounter. They may know about Jesus, they've heard about his reputation, they've heard, they know who he is by name, but they've never encountered him. And so, Father, for that person, Lord God, I ask and pray that they would open their heart as Zacchaeus opened his home and that they would submit their life to him and decide to follow Jesus because of that encounter. May they encounter him in a way that they could never explain. They really may not even fully understand, but they know that something's different. Something is different about this moment. And so, Father, may your Holy Spirit speak to us and challenge us in such a way. Father, may our priorities be realigned if they need to be. That we would give you the time, Father, that uh, to connect and to invest ourselves in you. And for you to change and transform us. So with heads are bowed and eyes are still closed, I'm just going to ask. Again, some of you may know about Jesus. You may know of him. His reputation has been well known. But you've never had an encounter like Zacchaeus has had, where there's something where your life has changed and different. And you would like to have that encounter today. So I'm going to ask just if you'd look up, let our eyes meet, um, get my attention. I just want to agree with you and I just agree with you that Jesus will come to you right now in this moment and that you will be transformed like Zacchaeus. Father, Lord, I'm so grateful you see our hearts. And Lord, as you look at our hearts now in this moment, Father, may they be pure and innocent. Not because we're good people, but because of the work Jesus Christ has done in us. We are cleaned and made holy because of him. So, Father, we... Just continue to invite you to do what you desire to do in us and through us. And Father, as we go through this week, may the story of Zacchaeus remind us of, of just the intentionality that comes with trying to connect with you. Whether that's getting up a little bit earlier, staying up a little bit later, giving a little more time to, to think and reflect and pray. Uh, Father, may we be more attentive to that relationship we ask. Father, we just thank you for all these things. And again, we we trust you and believe the best uh, because we know, Lord, that's what you desire for us. And Lord, we commit ourselves to your purposes this day. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone says, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.